The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by The Tea Clinic. Good morning, this is The Tea Health Show. I'm Dr. Mark. And today in studio, I have Dr. Ansi Ghos, a clinical psychologist. Um, Ansi, good morning. Good morning, Mark. You know what? Um, we've been keeping in contact since our last show and actually last year towards the end of the year when we spoke about mental problems in women, we said that we have to do a show around burnout. It's something that I see basically every day in my practice. And what is disturbing to me is that I'm starting to see it earlier each year. Is this something that you are noticing in your patients as well? Mark, I am actually very concerned about this. Um, burnout has become such a common problem that it's really something that we need to take very seriously. You know, when I first started to practice, I seldom had people suffering from burnout. And then, it, you know, lawyers were coming to me with burnout and then teachers. And now I'm never, ever without a few clients who are suffering from burnout. So, and, and I do know that one of the researchers at UJ, she does um, research on well-being every year. And last year, the amount of people suffering from burnout, stress, and depression doubled, you know, from 2020. I think it was roughly from May 22 to May 23. And, I mean, as you say, it's, we, it's early in the year. Many people have had a holiday, and they are still suffering from burnout. So it's a very serious problem that we really need to take seriously and try and do something about it. Now, you know what, I, I find in my practice that people throw the term burnout around mm. without really understanding or knowing what it is. Um, what, what was quite fascinating and, uh, you know, what, and intriguing to me was in all the reading that I've done, it says that burnout is not a medical condition, but actually a syndrome of individual symptoms. Um, so it's not classified as a medical condition. Is it classified in the DSM-5, which is our psychi psychiatry diagnostic uh, tool? You will know better. I haven't yes. used the DSM-5. I'm scared I'd recognize myself. Um, <laughs> We're all scared of that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us actually what okay. is burnout? Okay. Um, okay, I want to um, – burnout was not previously seen as a specific illness. But now in the DSM-5, there is actually an ICD uh, code, um, you know, that where you group all the symptoms together and it is seen as burnout. Um, so what is burnout? So there are some researchers, previously they thought it's just a very deep depression, but it's more than that. So burnout, people suffering from burnout are physically, emotionally, and mentally exhausted. Yes. You know, as one client uh, said to me, I'm tired beyond words. So people get up in the morning and they feel tired. They before they even start their workday, they are tired. And there's this feeling of 
feeling wiped out. Um, and I mean, there are so many symptoms. So I would like to, to actually, um, uh, you know, just name some of the symptoms. Okay, well, Ansi, let's actually then go into how do we recognize this, okay. the symptoms? Because okay. if we say um, people are just tired, you know what, it can be a, a, another problem. There's a differential diagnosis like thyroid issues or iron deficiencies or even depression. And uh, so what are the symptoms of burnout? Where do we start? I think that is what makes it difficult because you're absolutely right. So perhaps I'm just going to jump for a moment. When, how does burnout start? If you have been under prolonged stress then obviously you always functioning in fight-flight mode. So your survival response is always activated. So you never really relax. So you eventually your source of energy, physically, emotionally, are depleted. So, and then it will have, there will be physical symptoms, you know, like thyroid and high blood pressure and diabetes and Obviously, autoimmune diseases, because mm. if you're constantly under stress, it uh, affects your immune system very negatively. Yeah. So you will have, uh, you will develop all kinds of illnesses. You will be prone to, you know, having even things like flu all the time. You always ill. You okay. never feel you have energy to do anything. So. One of the symptoms I think that we need to include in the physical ones is the gastrointestinal disturbances, Absolutely. the irritable bowels yes. and the diarrheas. Mm. And, you know, even the other metabolic conditions yes. that arise from that, um, you know, what we mentioned diabetes in these patients. Um, and I presume that's because of the high levels of cortisol that's continuously exactly pushing glucose back into the bloodstream and that can cause the weight weight gain. It also causes changes in cholesterol levels and obviously in blood pressure. Yes, so there will be physical symptoms, but there will also be emotional symptoms because we must remember the interconnectedness between body and mind. So what happens to your mind and your emotions will affect your body and what happens to your body will affect. So we get a vicious cycle. Absolutely. So the emotional feelings, um, you know, people suffer from, they start to feel um, they develop a negative self-concept, they're inefficient at work, they can't cope with the workload that they used to cope with anymore. There's a low tolerance for frustration, they're irritable all the time, or they're just emotionally completely flat. So would you say that's one of the first stages in, in those symptoms where you start feeling the cynicism almost oh, and the, cynicism. the irritability absolutely. where everything is just negative? Yes, yes. So do you think that's it's, one of the first signs and then we move on to the bigger stuff or the… It's difficult to say. I mean, tiredness is one of the first signs, but if you never feel you recuperate. You never feel, okay, well, I have a little bit of energy. Mm. Um, I mean, that is a warning sign. And then it, I mean, everything is affected. So people have, um, they really feel wiped out. They don't have the energy to do anything. And they become disillusioned. They, they have negative 
attitude towards their work, towards life in general, towards other people. They feel disconnected from people. They feel um, worthless. There are feelings of hopelessness, helplessness. They feel weak. And there's no sense of hope. So, you know what, when you say that, I'm immediately starting to see depression. Yes. Because if a patient yes. presents with those kinds of symptoms, um, you know what, I think it's easy as someone that's not in tune and don't understand and haven't taken a decent history about what happened before these feelings started um, becoming noticeable and recognized by the patient, that you would jump to depression. But I think that is exactly the problem, is that obviously there's an overlap. There's an overlap about, um, you know, people are just uh, people suffering from stress um, and anxiety disorders, people suffering from the various um, uh, depressive disorders, and then burnout. But you can cluster, so, so there's certainly an overlap. Okay. And that's why years ago, you know, researchers just said um, the burnout is not uh, a separate uh, disorder, okay. it's just a very deep depression. But we know now it is also a separate disorder. But obviously someone who is uh, suffering from burnout will f- have anxiety problems and will have uh, will feel depressed. So there is certainly an overlap. The problem with um, with you know you uh, with burnout is that this you just really f- never ever feel as if you have the energy to do anything, just we, the smallest little task. I mean, that also happens with de- with a deep depression, but um, you are so um, worn out and tired that y- you feel as if you are just you just want to die. You know, so yeah, there is a similar feeling. Um, that overlaps with uh, with a very deep depression. What I found very interesting in the research that I've done over the past two years, I think the first time that I presented on stress in the workplace, I came across articles that um, I've and and I've been seeing more and more of them about the structural changes that actually happens in the brain. Mm. Now, for me, it was fascinating. We know that we have the primitive brain or the amygdala. And Ansi, you might, you might be more accurate here. The amygdala is where we form primitive emotions, mm. fight, flight, yes. freeze. Yes. And then as we grow up, we start developing the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is basically what governs higher functions, Um, uh, in other words, how we react to these primitive emotions. Am I correct? That's right. Now, what was fascinating to me and actually quite scary is that when we have these prolonged periods of stress, we start breaking down the connections in the prefrontal cortex. And eventually, if this doesn't go away, it completely unravels and the prefrontal cortex is measurably decreasing in size. 
But the scary part, and this is, I think, um, something that we need to understand, is that the amygdala, the reptilian brain that governs survival, um, starts enlarging. It, it becomes bigger because, as you said, you're in constant fight, flight, freeze. And, you know, I, I think people understand fight and flight. Mm. Uh, when you see something scary, you're going to turn around and you're going to either fight it or you're going to start running away. But you can only do that for so long. And then you get to the point where the only option that I have, I, I'm too tired to move. I can't fight this. I'm going to freeze and hope that nothing sees me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually have a beautiful picture. It's a pity that we cannot show that to people. You know, so there are three levels. So you have your relaxed level where you're open and you can, you, you know, you can enjoy stuff and you can relax. And then you go into your um, uh, fight-flight response, your um, a survival response, which we all need. I mean, we need to be aware of danger, etc. But if we're always in that um, fight-flight response, then eventually our source of energy, you know, I mean, obviously there are all the physical symptoms with the uh, uh, stress hormones that are secreted and there's where the imbalance of your feel-good hormones and your stress hormones, it actually causes a chemical imbalance in your brain. But then if that, if you stay in that phase for too long, then you actually go into this freeze phase, and and I think that could actually be a very good description of what happens when someone is suffering from burnout. They start freezing, physically, physical, emotionally, yes, yes and yes. Um, mentally. You, yes. you, you you just shut down. Yeah, because you can't anymore, and that's why it's so important to actually recognize, because let's get to the phases. So obviously, um, we actually, we can measure it on a scale. So um, the Pines burnout scale, for instance, measure it, you are slightly burnout, that's your, your scores one, two is, you know, it's more, three is moderately burnout, and then you suffer from burnout, and when it's beyond five, you're in an acute phase of burnout, and then you can actually lose your ability to, to work, to function. And I, can, I would like to share two examples with you. Years ago, I had a lawyer, and he was suffering from burnout. I mean, he, his practice was extremely busy, and it was very stressful. And we had this discussion about you'll have to scale down on your work, and he didn't. And after five years, he actually couldn't work anymore. Luckily, he had the money. So he sold his practice and he bought a farm in the Karoo. But not everyone is so lucky. Mm. I had another client who was in her uh, early 40s, a single person, not married, not in a relationship. And she also lost her ability to work to such an extent that she could only work half day. You know, four to five hours. Yeah. So, I mean, you can just imagine... The stress that that was then on her because she had to drop her, um, a whole, a whole, a whole life. You know, she had to move to a smaller place. She had to borrow money um, from her parents, and th the feelings of failure then. And I mean, that is something that people struggle with. 
They feel hopeless. They feel disillusioned. They feel stuck. And 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 it, you know. But I'm going to jump now to the to the causes of um, of yes, yeah, because of, of I, I, I think we need to understand yes, these yes. both as as individuals yes. or as colleagues yes. and definitely as employers. We need to be able to recognize these symptoms. Mark, I cannot stress that enough. I cannot stress that enough. Um, if one looks at what you know. Previously, we used to say to I'm talking about years ago. Uh, the 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 theory was if you if there's a values values clash in your workplace, you'd resign yes. and you get another job. Yes, people absolutely. can't do that anymore. Yeah. People can't do that anymore. It's difficult out there in the workplace, so they actually feel stuck. So there is no sense of hope. How do I get out of this? Because they are not happy with what's happening at work. And, and now we also sit with the aftermath of COVID. Many companies struggle financially, you know, since COVID happened. So people um, were fired and then the workforce that stay behind have to do all the work. So companies either struggle financially or some companies are just really greedy. They want to make, you know, more and more profit, so they don't replace people. You know, I think I'm I'm, um, I'm remembering a, a client now that I had uh, just after COVID. That was a small company that she worked for. There were 15 people. They fired nine people, and the rest had to do all the work. I mean, the hours that these, and that's also another thing, is that we don't have clear boundaries anymore. Yes. People take yeah. their laptops and their cell phones home and they work from home. And I can't stress that enough. If one has to do that, you have to have a specific workplace. The worst thing that one can do is to work in your bed because then obviously your, work, your bed where you actually need to relax becomes the place where you worry and you work. So one needs to take all those things into account. Um, but then to come back to what what happens is that people's line managers or managers or the people that they report to are either sometimes inefficient themselves, they are not qualified for the work, or the the person, him or herself, is not yeah, qualified I, I, for the I work. I see. I, I yes. get that complaint from my yes. from my patients quite a lot. Or they don't. <clears throat> the the managers don't know how long a specific task will take or how complex the task is. So the, 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 it's just the expectations of what people need to... Uh, are unrealistic? Uh, it's unrealistic. Or the managers are themselves burnt out. So, you know, so they can't... They have the pressure from above, so the pressure just goes to yeah. everyone else. And then also, if people work in a team and there are team members who don't pull their weight, the responsible people end up doing all the work. Yes. And it's and often, uh, they get abused. And they get... Or, uh, I, I don't... I, let me rephrase. It's not that they get abused. They allow themselves Absolutely. to be abused Absolutely. and taken advantage of. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like what you said earlier about boundaries. Um, something that we are, I think, too scared um, and incapable of 
of formulating for ourselves for that specific fear of losing a job. But before we carry on, I want to ask you, is there differences between the genders when it comes to who's more susceptible to uh, burnout and age groups? Um, do different age groups uh, fall victim to burnout more than others? Um, Mark, this is what concerns me, is that people suffering from burnout, <laughs> I mean, it's starting at a very young age. It's not uncommon to have someone in their 20s suffering from burnout. Mm. But this also has to do with what is happening in the workplace. And I mean, you will know, I can't tell you how many intern doctors I've had suffering from burnout. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. You, because, you know, the, the hours that they work, the, 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 the stress, the, the responsibility. The, the, exactly. And, and the lack of resources. You know, I had one um, intern doctor telling me that she works with in a public hospital with a backpack on her back. And if she sees something like a needle which hasn't been used, she puts it in her backpack so that when she needs it, she has it. Yeah. Because there's just the lack of resources. Well, I, I can tell you, I, I was doing my um, internship in 1999 um, and I started specializing in 2001. And... Back then, when we were doing our internships, I was doing my internship at Joburg General Hospital. And you would have an intake that was split between four people. So two would be in the morning from seven until seven at nighttime, and the other two would be from seven until seven the next morning. On our intake, as one person, 50 Patients on a good day, 60, 65 on a, on a bad day, especially in winter. That's one. Now, in the hospital, you might have 12, 13 beds available in the wards. Now, these people are lying in admissions. You have to get them out of admissions. Mm. So you would start your intake and you know what, I would start at seven o'clock in the evening. And then if I was lucky because I had so many patients that I had to get out of a hospital into different hospitals and allow my new patients that I've taken in. But you would get out of a hospital 24, 30 hours later. And then you start next the next morning at six. Yes. And that was... 20-something years ago, yes. it's just gotten worse. So I do understand mm. this. Mm. I understand that in the medical um, uh, field, doctors, nurses, but also our first responders, um, policemen, uh, you know, our firemen, um, ambulance people, not only from the trauma and stuff that they see, but the amount of hours that they work. But I'm also seeing this in Teachers and specifically PAs, yes. personal assistants, yes. um, are, are taking the brunt of Absolutely. stuff. Um, yes. I, I don't know what you see specifically, but my worrying factor is that 
the majority of the people that I see are burnt out yes. are between 30 and 40. Yes. no, I And the majority of them being women. Yes. Although uh, uh, I wouldn't say, I, I think I see as many women as men. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a difference in the um, the gender. I think perhaps with your practice, you see more women or not, really. Um, in general, I see the same, same amount right. of oh, men oh, okay. and women. Okay. But I think that, you know, with the women that I see are in their 40s. Yes. So they still have children at yes. school yes. and they have a career yes. and they have a working husband. So I, I think there's just more demand on the little time and resources that they have. Yeah, that is certainly true. That is certainly true. And I think women are, men are better at putting boundaries in place for their own time. And, and, and I'll, I don't know how much time we have, but we'll have to talk about, you know, what are the things that one can do to prevent burnout. But anyway, so that is certainly true. And then, um, I mean, what is also true is that in a dual um, career uh, marriage, the woman takes on more than 50% usually of the, you, you know, household, the, responsibility. household responsibilities and about 70 to 90% of the children responsibilities. So obviously women have less time to actually charge their own battery. So that certainly plays a role. But then something else that is also quite interesting to me is people have lost a sense of purpose. And I think we underestimate the resilience that people have when they have a sense of purpose. You ha I've had many conversations with a lady from Zimbabwe standing on a, at the corner um, trying to sell something. And she said to me, I said to her one day, you know, it's, it's so hot in the summer and so cold in winter and you so, so seldom really see people buying stuff from you. And she said to me, ma'am, I'm doing this for my son. He's writing matric this year. And, you know, so her sense of, I mean, that's also, if you think about, um, it must be very boring. And that's another f factor that we don't often consider is if you're too bored in your work and not stimulated enough or if you, your work is too difficult. So both the extremes can actually cause burnout. But if you have a sense of purpose and you feel my work is, it's, it, it's actually giving me energy because I like my work and yeah. I enjoy my work and I find, me, it, I find it meaningful for whatever reason. It actually also helps to buffer you against... Um, I, you know what, I can, I can put my hand up and say that I'm probably one of the few people that work with a lot of people under incredibly high pressure, but I love every single moment yes. of what I do. Yes. Um, I get up in the morning and at the end of the day, I'm more energized yes. because of my interaction mm. with my patients mm. than feeling drained mm. by them. And uh, you know what, for me, it really is that... Um, simple thing, follow your bliss, uh, you know, but yes. find what makes you happy. I think it's incredibly difficult, but when you do, the rewards, not the financial rewards, the, the emotional reward and uh, what happens around you leads to success and then financial reward. Um, 
But I think it's hard to come by today. It is. But there are things that one can do. If you feel you are stuck in a job and there's no way to get out of it, it to take a step back and to say, what can I do to make this more joyful for myself? Mm. Or where can I make a difference? And just by starting to say thank you to people and, you know, have a little conversation with the person who makes the tea and show appreciation, you actually benefit from doing that. You know, those random acts of kindness. Mm. Or then to find outside of your job something that you, you know, to do voluntary work, to do something that gives you a sense of purpose. I think it's extremely important. My concern is that I think we're into escapism. It's shocking for me when I listen to people to hear how many hours a day they spend on social media, on games, etc. It helps you to distract yourself from your worries. But in the long run, it doesn't work because you don't face what you need to face. You don't actually pay attention to your thoughts, to your feelings, to what's happening in your body. And, and, and if one thinks about how to, how to prevent burnout, I really recommend that people take, before they leave work, 10 to 15 minutes and journal and just check in with themselves. How am I feeling? My eyes, are my eyes dry? My neck stiff? My back sore? What's my... Do I have a knot on my tummy? Am I stressed? Who made me angry today? What happened? What was frustrating? To actually check in physically, emotionally, and w- what am I thinking about my thought, my work or what happened today? And to write that down. So literally sitting and sitting reflecting. Sitting and reflecting on paper. And and I'll uh, I'll explain why that is important in a moment. But then next to that, to have a bullet journal where you actually say, okay, my goodness, I didn't send that email. I didn't phone that client. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. That's my to-do list for tomorrow. Because then you actually give your brain permission to relax because you've done the emotional work. You've done the check-in. You know what needs to happen tomorrow. And then you can leave it there. And if then you have to work, you know, in the evening, get your specific place where you work or that's your worry time. <laughs> so you need to, that's a way to put boundaries about, um, uh, about time and place, you know, or space. And I want to say something about time. One of the most important reasons why people... Um, suffer from burnout is because if we look at time, I mean, that's very fair. We all get 24 hours every day. And you can roughly uh, divide time into four different areas. So first of all, there is task time. And most of our time goes into tasks. I mean, from brushing your teeth to, you know, looking after children to your job. But then if you don't have, and that is, I think, the number one reason why people burn out, if you don't have time on your own, where you actually do something that, that charge your batteries, you will suffer from burnout. I, I, I want to ask a question and make a comment okay. on what you've said. Time on your own. Yes. Um, I'm incredibly vocal 
um, as an individual about me time. Mm. I, 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 I don't like people around me because I deal with yes, so many people, people on, mm. on not a superficial level. Mm. When, when mm. a patient walks out, mm. I know his whole history. I know what's happened in the family. I know what they do, what they eat, um, how they feel. But you know what? I, I know more about them than most of their friends who've known them for years. And when I come home, it's important for me that Stefan, and you've met Stefan, you know him, he's a bubbly person, he likes to talk. There's, there's a certain time that, no, this is, you know, I'm not going to listen or react to you. Um, this is my time. I might watch a bit of TV, but I have no idea what's happening around me. And that allows me to switch off. And then I will come out of my own shell and then I will approach him and say, okay, how was your day? Mm. But is that something that we allow ourselves to do enough? Or are you suggesting that especially when you have family, et cetera, et cetera. But when you come from work and you haven't done that switch off before you walk into the house, but you never get to actually do it. Absolutely. I, I want to say 10 out of 10 that you do that. And especially if one is an introvert, you need more time on your own. And if you're an introvert, like I'm an introvert and I work with people, I need even more time. And I also mm. have a husband <laughs> who, who, who likes to interact. So, so let's get back to the time. So you, most of your time goes into tasks, but if you don't take time out for yourself where you recharge your battery, you will suffer from burnout. But then we also need to, to I mean, if you're in a relationship, you need one-on-one -on -one time. One on one, on one time. time. And yes. uh, please emphasize that again. It's one, one on one, one. not in a group of friends. Absolutely. It's one on one. It's one on one and it's not watching TV together. It is about talking about mad, sad, glad, bad. That, that, that's your four major feelings. I mean, so this is basically when you take your glass of wine or your exactly. whiskey. Yes. You go sit outside Sound, on the exactly. patio. It's beautiful yes. winter weather. And you just talk for what, exactly. half an hour, hour maybe? Or you have dinner together? Even 15 minutes okay. will do the trick. Even 15 minutes will do the trick. But that is paying attention. That is being open. And that's the important thing. If you always in fight flight response, you cannot communicate. Mm -hmm. You cannot listen. You are not open to hear what the other person has to say, to really make a connection. And that's also one of the things about burnout. There's this disconnectedness, which then actually yeah. makes things worse. But so, so we have your one-on-one -on -one time. And that's also a, if one has children, each parent needs one-on-one -on -one time with each child. Oh, my God, I'm glad I don't have children. <laughs> you know what? It's time-consuming. It is time-consuming. For me, with four children, it took me 15, it took me an hour. Then I only had 15 minutes with each child individually. So, yes. And then you have social time. And we also need social time, obviously. And that's where extroverts get their energy from. They need interaction with people. But if an extrovert works in front of computer all day 
and doesn't get that stimulation, they ask more from their partner. Yes. So, yes, so, so yes. that is, it's so important yeah. to keep all those things into consideration. There's, there's one thing that you haven't mentioned when it comes to time. And, you know, I suspect that it falls under tasks is sleep time. Oh, yes. Okay, we need to touch on sleep and we need to touch on on how to eat healthily because obviously, and, and that is what happens with burnout, is people can't sleep anymore. They, what comes first? The stress that leaps, leads to a sleep, yes. um, a, a change in your sleeping yes. pattern in, in the yes. hours, yes. and then that leads to yes. burnout, yes. which just... Snowballs. Then it's a vicious circle, a, okay. vis- a vicious cycle. That's what happens. Okay. Yeah. So it's safe to include, and obviously I do this. I, I, I ask my patients, if you wake up in the morning, are you refreshed? Absolutely. And if you're not refreshed, yes. okay, fine. Where's the problem? Is yes. it not enough hours? Yes. Or is it not, um, or was the quality bad? And it was two weeks ago hey, that we had a discussion with Dr. Alison Bentley, mm. who is a sleep specialist. Yes. And like burnout is mm. exploding all around us, so is sleep disorders. Absolutely. So you agree that the two go hand in hand? Absolutely. And, and then, I mean, it's so, uh, sleep hygiene, I mean, that's what we call it, is so important. And if you, or on your cell phone, on your computer, in front of the TV, just before you go to bed, you will struggle to fall asleep. And also, you know, people, because people become so tired, they drink energy drinks, which eventually makes all of this worse. You know, so they try to get energy, or sometimes, as you've said, they pick up weight because they are so tired, so they they eat food, but they don't eat the food that will really get the energy, so their blood sugar... Yeah, they uh, eat sweet stuff, readily available stuff. So you get energy in the short run, and then eventually you even tired, more tired after that. Yeah, I I think it also speaks to that dopamine rush that we get from food, specifically sugary foods. It makes me feel good, therefore I want more. Um, So there's reward repetitive behavior. And see, I, I don't want us to run out of time. Um, I, I, we really need to talk about how do we approach this. So can we just quickly recap? Um, burnout is an overwhelming sense of relentless exhaustion, physically, emotionally, mentally. and mentally. Yes. Um, it's where you, you just get stuck. Mm. Um, we have symptoms. And if we, we look at the physical symptoms here, we look at things like pain, uh, nausea, headaches, uh, fatigue, f- colds, flu, um, hypertension, diabetes, weight gain. But then the emotional and the mental symptoms, um, Anxiety that changes. Ang- very anxious. Depression. De- depressed, uh, feeling disillusioned, feeling skeptical, negative attitude towards everything and everyone, feeling hopeless, feeling life is not worth living, you know, that, that loss of sense of purpose. Okay. Um, and then let's just recap the stages. Um, 
I, I always see it as you start something new and you're excited and you put in the hours and eventually things don't pan out as you want mm. them to. And now we start getting cynical about stuff. Yes. We start getting resentful. Um, we start feeling disconnected. Mm. And then it goes deeper where yes. we start shutting down. And eventually it becomes so acute that it becomes basically a medical and mental emergency. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what one needs to do then, if you see that, you know, there's a progression, it's important to actually take a step back and to say to yourself, how can I reduce stress as much as possible for six months at least? And we must remember that any change is stressful, even positive changes. So one needs to think about how, what taps my energy, who taps my energy, what gives me energy, who gives me energy. So you need to get that balance about, you know, not being drained and, and getting energy. So it's, a, it's extremely important. I, I love what you've just said because... In, again, all the reading that I've, I've done, and it's been quite extensive, everything points to stress mm. as the main culprit. Stress that uh, is cumulative and long-standing and becomes chronic and then it lead, eventually leads to burnout. I don't think people really understand stress. And what you've just said, for me, is the most important thing, especially in the workplace. Identify the stressor. Mm. Because if you don't know Absolutely. what's causing this, Absolutely. there's nothing that you can do about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Knowledge is power. When you come to a having identified the stressor, what then? How do, how do you address that stress? Because it might be let's say that your value system doesn't align with a task that you are given or the expectations or the timeline is unrealistic. How do, how do I recognize that without just being a sheep that tries and swims over a river that all the sheep in front of me is being washed away? So, you know, it, it's actually... I can't see the way across. How do I, how do I stop that? Um, I'm going to give you an example of someone that I know who loves her job, who loves the company, but the demands were just too much. You know, I mean, the, 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 um, um, the dates, are, what do you call it? Um, my goodness. The timeline? No, the, uh, 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 oh my, I can't think of the word now. Um, deadlines. The deadlines were yeah. just, it was impossible to get to those deadlines. And she worked very closely with the CEO. So she went to the CEO and she said, I love my job. I love this company. I want to stay here for a few years. I'm not, I don't want to resign, but I can't sprint all the time. And we know that. We cannot sprint all the time. There's a big difference between running 100 meters and honey, running 10,000 meters yes, at the same yes. pace. And, and, and then she had this discussion with him. So uh, what can we do about this? Because I want to be here. I want to do this job. So I think conversations 
to have a good conversation, but then obviously one has to um, prepare yourself. And unfortunately, what can also happen is that you get people, you know, who uh, uh, manages or uh, that it's not going to make a difference. Then you need to, as I say, then you need to say, okay, well, where can I get energy? If I can't get energy at my work, how can I, if I get another task, can I then say, okay, well, you know, this is what I'm doing. Do you want me to do this one first or uh, to help me to prioritize the different tasks that I'm given? But I think what what is also helpful is to look at a job. I think there's often no boundaries that a job description is vague. And obviously it's important to discuss that, to say, okay, well, let's look at what is expected of me and I want to do my job well. I mean, if you go to someone and say, help me to do my job well, and these are the problems that I have, these are the things that I um, I think might be uh, a way to get, you know, things done so that we are both satisfied because, I mean, that's about, that's what assertiveness is. How can we meet my manager's needs and how can we meet my needs, you know? So um, I'm looking at Ryan um, and, you know, I have a, a bit of an issue with the work ethic mm. of the millennials and the Gen Zers and, mm. Um, mm. and, and, and you, you laugh because I, we see that the incidence of burnout is higher in younger people than we would expect it to. Yet, I hear so many of my patients, my friends, um, who are employing young people. And, you know, they just, they are the ones that came up with Do Nothing Mondays and Slow Tuesdays. Um, how, how do you, how do you actually reconcile that work ethic and the fact that they burned out? Where's the burnout coming from? Because, um, is it social, social stress that's doing that if it's not work stress or are they just a completely different breed? <laughs> I think that's a whole topic for another day. I, uh, I think I it's think a so it's a it's a bit of both. Uh, there's definitely I do feel that we have let them down. We live in a very stressful world. I do think that play a role. Okay, so but us as older people don't understand yes, the stress that they yes, are under. Yes, that's f- the first thing. Okay, but I do also think what plays a role is that how children are being brought up today. Mm. Actually, they don't do their own tasks anymore. They don't do their homework anymore. Their parents do it for them. Mm. So, so I mean, so I think there's a... And then there are no healthy ways to relax. People, for them, because for them. they're not doing they're not the kind of imag- ma- imaginative yes. uh, play that but we exactly, did when we were younger. Exactly, and and people don't exercise and they, they, they get... Fast food all the time. So, okay. so I think there's a whole. I'm really worried about our children today. Mm. What is going to happen to them 
because I think they are not that. Unfortunately, I do think they're not as resilient. I don't know. If I may, yes, I've actually I've, I've got a, a bit of a story myself. So my cousin is about my age. She's about 27, 28. She's busy with her articles. Mm. Um, she'll be completing her articles in March. But right now she's faced with, as we bring up burnout, she's faced with this um, issue. So she's, she's about five months, six months pregnant. Mm. And the articles, um, the the firm she works for, they're kind of giving her all the very administrative, you know, like evictions and all of that very heavy um, stuff for her. So now she's kind of in this position where it's very stressful and she doesn't want it to affect the pregnancy. Mm. So she's thinking of resigning, mm. but also she wants to complete the articles in March so she can actually yes. start her career because, mm. you know, articles, you're not earning too much that, at this yeah, point. Very little so this actually. is the kind of thing mm. that she's going through right now, mm. but I can tell that she's also a bit burnt out. Mm. And I don't know how that affects pregnant women f- physically. It, and unfortunately it does. High stress levels do affect. Because yeah, uh, it leads to a stressed baby. Yeah. And stressed babies are Difficult. more susceptible yeah. To colic and you know, very, yeah. very difficult babies to they, bring up. But we yeah. also see it. And see, um, you did your um, thesis on on postpartum mm. depression, and mm. you know what we must have seen. Mm. Absolutely, um, how yeah. stress during pregnancy, um, you know, what affect the development of this child uh, in the long run. Yes. Now, I mean, the, the research is out there. It has been done. You know, um, I think I might have mentioned the previous time. A pregnant woman just thinking about taking a cigarette, the baby's heart rate rises. Oh, really? Really, it's un, yeah, it's wow. it's 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 incredible. Yeah. Okay, so we have ten minutes left, and see how do we approach this subject? How do we prevent it? Um, and if we are feeling we're going through the stages and it's slippery slope to complete shutdown. How can we manage it? Okay, I think the first very important thing, as we've mentioned, is to know your stressors, to know what is draining your energy, um, what is giving you energy, and then to take a step back and say, okay, start with baby steps. Start with ba- – and, 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 and something – some very – Simple things are things that we actually don't realize. Just by slowly breathing. Uh, you you um, spoke about that in our previous yes. session, and I've been yes. using it for my yes. patients. The four yes. breaths in, hold for seven, seven breathe out for out eight. For eight. It works like a charm. It, it really does. And to have, I mean, if you're very stressed, to put your timer on every hour, it takes you 30 seconds and you just take a moment and you do five repetitions of breathing in for four, holding your breath, breath for seven, breathing out for eight. So simple things like start to walk. But I do want to say this about burnout. If you're in burnout or an acute phase of burnout, one also needs to know that your energy levels are so low. If you over-exercise, you are going to pay the price tomorrow. So, you know, uh, this one psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Greta Brink, said, you have so little fuel, you can't travel at 120 k's an hour. 
80 k's an hour, that's all you can do. And if you to need preserve to preserve fuel. your so, – so one needs to think about what can I do to cut out the things that is possible to cut out which drains my energy, which is very stressful. I mean, if uh, I'm just amazed. You know, I have um, I had one client who works in South Africa, but for a company from the Netherlands. The HR phoned me from the Netherlands to arrange therapy for her. They they forced her to take leave, and um, they paid for her therapy. So it's it's just amazing. There are companies that really look. I mean, in Europe, people really look after their employees, and I think we need a an attitude attitude change in South Africa. Um, a, a few years ago, I had many clients from a specific sector that were suffering from burnout. In the end, I thought to myself, well, something is wrong here. And I found one of the clinical psychologists who worked in that, you know, um, in that sector. And she said to me, a third of the workforce is burnt out at a specific time. So you have two thirds of people doing everyone's work. So all you have is... So it, it's, it's by passing it around. By passing it around. Oh, yeah. So one, <clears throat> yeah. so one, one has to take a step back and think, what can I do? And what is it possible to have difficult conversations in a respectful way where I think of, where I talk about the problems and ask my manager or whoever to help me think about solutions? And if that's not possible, you have to individually look after yourself and see what you can do to down-regulate your stress, eating healthily, seeing that you sleep properly, escape as little as possible, you know, in front of TV and games and stuff in like that. In other words, be present. Be present. Be mindfulness. Yeah, I mean, okay. and there are wonderful apps, Inside Time and Calm and, you know, things where you can actually, it's possible to learn how to down-regulate your stress and it's I, uh, our responsibility to do that. One of the things that I advise my patients to do when it's about calming down is stimulate the vagal nerve. Mm. So the vagal nerve is the off switch to the sympathetic that's right. nervous yes. system. That's right. And that the breathing is one. <clears throat> but there's another one that I, I ask my patients to do, and I actually challenge them because it's incredibly difficult. I, I ask them, go and sit outside every morning for five minutes and concentrate on the sounds around yes. you and see how long it takes you before you start hearing your own voice in your head. Yes. About, I have to do this and I have yes. to do that. Yeah. And do that twice a day. Yes. So, you know what, in the morning, go sit outside in the sun because it energizes us. Absolutely. It, it, it's good yes. um, for cortisol. And it's, it's getting rid of a melatonin and it, it literally stimulates and energizes the body. But you know what, that, when I started doing it, it was incredibly difficult to, to just, oh, I have to do that and that and that and, and switching that off. And it's basically like a guided form of meditation, just with the yeah. sounds of the traffic and, yes. um, you know, with the birds and the people that's walking past. It's a guided meditation. And then I tell them to do that at nighttime as well. And see, what, what I think we need to just emphasize is 
when you are in burnout, this is not something that you can get out of on your own. Absolutely. You need yeah. to seek medical help. Yes, and you probably need an antidepressant as well, you know, for 12 to 18 months. But it is important to seek help. Who do they go to? Do they go to their GP or do they seek the help of psychologist? Both. Both. Yes. In my opinion, I agree with you because, um, you know, what we need to start looking at the metabolic um, condition that's arised or that might contribute to the exhaustion. In other words, uh, iron deficiency, thyroid issues, maybe elevated insulin, uh, a, a, a dysregulation of a lipid metabolism, maybe helping them with a little bit of sleep, giving them sleep aid. But then they need the emotional and mental guidance of psychologists as well. This is a fascinating topic. It's a bloody scary topic for me. And, yeah, um, it is. You know, it, if, I, mm. I think if you like you and me, you, you stand on the inside um, l- seeing the people fall through the barrier um, because it's completely disrupted, um, it's, it's, it's something that we are concerned about. Yes. If people want more information, um, how do we get hold of you? Um, your practice number is... My cell phone number, but... Um, so let's yeah. actually do this. Mm. If you want to get hold of Dr. Uh, Ansi Goos, she is practicing out of uh, Veltefreden, if I'm not mistaken. Florida Hills. Florida Hills. Yes. But you also do online consultations. Yes, do. Contact us at the T-Clinic on 010-824-1393 and we'll put you in contact with Dr. Goos. Ansi, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I think we've planned something for the second quarter of the year where we're going to talk a little bit more about management of stress in the workplace and how we approach this difficult topic. Um, Thank you for your time. And um, next week, oh my God, I can... Next week, we're going to have um, a discussion with a business coach to come and speak to us about how we approach management and what management should do to help our employees. So we'll be talking to Michael Cooper. Until then, we wish you all the best in health. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.